Aprender. Welcome back to the Heart Podcast. My name is Jagraj Lali. Today, I'm being joined by Hall of Fame broadcaster Steve Erickson, who has been well known in the Delta community for as long as I can remember. Steve, how's it going? Thank you so much for joining me. It's going. Thank you, sir. And uh, such a nice introduction. I'm normally just known as, uh, hey, you sometimes. (laughs) I appreciate that. Appreciate it. No, things going pretty good so far. For sure. Let's get right into it. So tell me about your journey in the broadcasting industry and how you got started in this field. Uh, it's really sort of a, a funny, long-winded story, but I'll try and keep it short and sweet. Uh, I get into it just by a fluke because it was actually reffing games going back to 1988. And this was in uh, Ladner at the community center, uh, or the leisure center as they call it. And I was just refereeing and uh, Delta TV then, uh, now Eastlink. But Delta was doing the broadcast and their play-by-play guy canceled out. And I didn't know it was play-by-play. And Kevin Adlam, who is still at the station, come running in and asked me if I can help them do the game. And I said, well, I got a referee. And he said, well, I'll find another ref and he said, we'll take care of you. So that was fine. So I made a phone call. Of course, at that time we had pay phone. There was no such thing as a cell phone and everything else. But so I made a couple of phone calls, got the game covered, ended up doing the games, the two games. But it was sort of ironic when I started. I remember Keith Frew was doing the, the color, but I, I was under the impression he was doing play by play. And he did the intro for the game and right off TV at the start. And then he just looked and said, okay. He said, well, welcome to the broadcast. He said, I guess without any further hesitation, I'll pass you over to our play-by-play guy. He said, go ahead, Steve, and pass me all the game notes. And all I heard from Kevin on my headset was, oh, the look says you're going to swear. Don't swear. Don't swear. So so I muddled through it, got through to, and uh, I thought I did terrible. But um, you know, I guess that was just me being maybe, I don't know, a little over lack of confidence in what I did because I'd never done it before. And the funny other part about funny with that is I knew the player's name. So it wasn't like Smith giving it back out to Jones and over to Bertuzzi and all that. It was like Billy passes it to Jim. Jim gives it back to Chuck. So it was all first name, right? And it, I guess, maybe a little more personal. But the next day when I was uh, working, the uh, owner for Delta TV came in to talk to me. And I met him down at the Delta Lion Pub. And he introduced himself. And I had no idea who he was. And he asked me if I uh, told me he did a good job or I did a good job. And he said, I want to know if you want to take over. And I said, well, I did a terrible job. And he said, well, not according to the phone calls. He said, and this was at noon hour. He said, our phone's been ringing off the hook all morning because everybody loved the way you did the game. He said, even though you didn't know the players' last names, he said they liked because of everything you added to it because of, you know, past history with the NHL and players and stuff. So he said, so that's how I got my start. And it was uh, sort of hit and miss from there. But uh, I took off, and I, as you know, I mean, some some broadcasts are good. Some We become, I guess as broadcasters, we become a lot more critical of ourselves than other people because we'll go home and we'll say, oh, I felt terrible, but people will say you did a good job. Maybe that's just a confidence booster from them, but but sometimes we're, we're our own worst enemy in a lot of times, as you know. So that's basically in a nutshell. So you've had an extensive career spanning from 1988 all the way till now. What motivated you to stay in broadcasting for such a long time? And how has the industry changed your career? Motivation came from from the young people because my main focus is to promote amateur sports. It's fine to promote all the pros, but my mind, as you know, and I've said this before, you've got to be an amateur going through the system, starting through the system and working your way up. 
before you get to work at the pro level and go and talk to some of the pros. And and that's, I guess, what motivated me because I know what it was like when I was starting up. Everybody wanted to emulate the professionals, but you've got to learn like what, what it's all about. Who got the kids started? Like little uh, extra things, like who's a better cook, mom or dad? Like, you know, what's your favorite music? If I go to your car, what type of music do you have in your car? Get to know the person behind the so-called professional athlete and it just seems to take off. But But the young kids... Uh, all the, the stuff that the parents come over and talk to me about. I guess that's what motivates me and keeps me going because as strange as it sounds, I'm still having a blast at this. I mean, when it stops being fun, then I'll quit. But right now, I'm still having a lot of fun. As a sports broadcaster, you've covered various levels of sports from minor league to federal, to municipal and provincial events. What have been some of your most memorable moments or experiences in these different settings? I guess one of the most memorable mo- moments going back, oh, probably... Oh, years and years back, just doing different interviews, covering the World Juniors. I mean, talking to Ron Toigo and what he brings to the the team and the game and the broadcast industry. Uh, talking to different very various individuals that come into town, uh, you know, just to have a lot of fun with them. And is there a highlight? I don't know. I guess some of the highlights I would have to say is just, you know, talking to some of the the athletes that have achieved success and going on to the Olympic level. Like one good friend of mine, Ravi Kalan who was our housing minister for BC. Uh, Ravi had an exceptional Olympic career as an Olympic field hockey player. And that's one, like Carla Quattro in our area now, living in Delta and Ladner. And Carla's like uh, an Olympic, uh, Paralympic athlete. So, so talking to them and getting to know the stories behind their journey is really a lot of fun. But is there one that stands out? I don't know, I enjoyed covering the Molson Indy. Uh, I really enjoyed co- different conversations I've had with uh, drivers like Paul Tracy, uh, Mario Andretti, uh, the late Greg Moore, who sadly and tragically passed away. Those are people that really, they were down to earth people, especially Mario Andretti. There was, there was, he was like, he was a, a master at what he did. Everybody knows, you say the name Mario, it's like talking to say, okay, well, Wayne Gretzky, you, you know, you say Wayne, everybody knows who you're talking about. But he was just an unbelievable individual to talk to. He had time for everybody and he had time for all the young kids. And when he was over in Surrey, we did an interview with him, he left and he never left until after the last person was supposed to, like was gone and he was supposed to leave. And he just told his uh, handlers, he said, no, he said, I'm not done. He said, there's still a lineup of kids. And I I looked, I go, boy, that's, that's a classy individual right there. Uh, when we spoke last, you mentioned uh, you hosted a sports program called The Locker Room on Delta TV. Uh, could could you share more about the show and your role as the host and producer? Uh, the Locker Room on, on Eastlink TV, now Eastlink, formerly, as you alluded to, Delta TV. I'm still used to calling it Delta TV as it's everybody else in Delta. But uh, the show itself is, is, again, focused on amateur sports. Uh, I cho- hosted it uh, with Chad Day. Chad Day was my co-host, and now he works with Rogers, and he's one of their salespersons. But uh, but Chad's been around. Chad and I hosted the program. I brought Chad in as my color person. And we, we covered that, focusing specifically on amateur sports. Uh, and we just brought different individuals into the studio. In fact, we even had uh, we had Bob Marjanovic uh, in the studio one day. We've had him. Uh, we've had so many different individuals make their way out to the Delta area through and fight the traffic through the tunnel. But they come out to the studio, 
and it's been a lot of fun. Eastlink is still going through a little bit of changes with their organization, and what they ended up doing, they, they sort of put the show somewhat to bed this year, but that doesn't mean that I'm not still covering sports. I'm still going out, I'm covering the sports, like we're covering the Delta Sports Hall of Fame banquet tomorrow. Uh, there's a lot of great individuals getting inducted in that. In fact, Bill Wilms is getting inducted uh, in the golfing category. Uh, but it's, it's fun to go out and cover, and albeit we've sort of taken a little bit of a, a year off, that doesn't mean it's, it's on the back burner. They still want to bring it back next year. So for me, it's fun to do. I'm having an absolute blast. And, you know, like I say, you only live once, so do what you want to do, as you as you know. You've worked with, for example, Eastlink TV was formerly known as Delta. How What was the rebrand like and the unique challenges or opportunity that working there provided for you? Uh, the one thing it did provide, and I'll be honest, is it opened an awful lot of doors. I mean, I do pretty much everything I do as a volunteer. And I always say, you know, you've got to, volunteers are what I call the unsung heroes in the world of sports because when was the last time ever anybody ever went over and said thank you to a volunteer? But I do a lot of volunteering, which I applaud. It's fun to do. But when it was Delta TV, they had a full staff. They had five staff members working. The Thomas family owned it. And they had five different staff members in the office. And they were all in charge of different aspects. One was in charge of sports. One was in charge of the community programming. One was in charge of doing like uh, different on-topic, like inline studio shows. So there was a whole bunch of stuff like that. And Eastlink, albeit they're still rebranding, trying to really realistically from a lot of people's point of view, they're still trying to figure out what they, what they want to do and, and what the community wants. And the, Kevin is there. Kevin Adlam is there. And Kevin's holding the fort down. So the biggest change is the fact that Eastlink, and this isn't to be negative, Eastlink has yet to go out and really understand what it's like to get involved in the community. Could we do more? Sure. But I'm only a volunteer. And I just tell Kevin different things that I want to do and different things that are going on. And we go out and cover them. So basically, I mean, I'll go and sit in a coffee shop and people will come up and tell me what's going on instead of phoning the TV station which is sad and in the past they would phone the station they'd get somebody to actually answer the phone now i don't know i think it goes to an automated voicemail as a lot of do you know conversations do which is frustrating but but that's the biggest difference i guess if i was going to say anything you've been involved in play-by-play -play announcing for various sports what do you find most challenging and rewarding about being a play-by-play -play commentator uh i guess challenging would be to uh you as you know you really have to do your background work You've got to do a lot of research. You get to research the team, the league, the different players, uh, past history of the league. You can't just start and say, okay, well, I'm going to do a broadcast at 5 o'clock and show up at 4 o'clock and not do anything. If you don't do your research, the broadcast will sound absolutely terrible. And people will know that. They know what you bring to the game, and you're the same. I mean, you do a lot of background work and soul-searching to find out all the different information for different players and leagues and stuff like that. And if you don't do that, it just pulls off a terrible broadcast, and everybody knows it rewarding it's just the fact that as you know you can be doing a broadcast for example a hockey game down at the rink and after one of the periods albeit they're going to show to a, throw it to a special feature they will people will walk behind you and say we're listening to you down there from the stands and you're really doing a good job we enjoy what you do that to me means a lot and same as they come over and tell you that's nice you know and, and that's for us that's what it's all about in addition to broadcasting you mentioned your involvement with sportswave.ca can you just talk about a bit about your role as a host, reporter, producer for Sportsweight TV? Because, yeah, uh, Sportsweight was also on TV before, but you also publish on the website as well. 
I do. I have two different websites. One is sportswave.ca, which I publish and I write all my own stories. I put up whatever I want to do uh, regarding the world of sport. My other website is swhockey.ca, and that's strictly focused on hockey alone. Uh, I set that up, and that was my idea, take off from what we were doing at uh, Delta TV. I figured if we can do this with Delta TV, why not expand it? So this way we can get the word out. I can put stuff up on my website. We can get everything going and working proper. And it just seems to take off. And for me to go out and promote amateur sports, it's fun. And it's an extra way, like even right now, the Delta Sports Hall of Fame are having their banquet, their induction. Well, when I got a hold of the papers, both the Delta Optimist and the North Delta paper, the reporter, I asked them if I could write stories about the, uh, the the Delta Sports Hall of Fame, and they answered, "Yeah," but they said each. I, I said, "I've got you know a number of people that I have to introduce and put stories on." And first, they told me it was going to be three weeks with a man at minimum about like maybe 550 or 600 words. After I sent the first article, he said, "We've reformatted our format, and we're going to cut it down. It's two weeks, and all you can do is about 425 words for each one." So, having said that, what well, I figured, well. If that's what I've got to do, now I'll take my articles, and besides sending them a little bit of it, I'll post the entire article up on my website, which I have now up on my website. I think I've got three stories. I've got another couple to post up later today or tomorrow about the Delta Hall of Fame. And that's just the way it's changed. Everything is going on the website right now because papers, like, I don't know, I mean, Mark Booth just retired from the Delta Optimist. I don't think they're going to hire another sports reporter for the Delta Optimist, which is sad, but again, out of my control. During your years as a sports reporter, you must have interviewed many athletes and different sports personalities. Are there any interviews that stand out as particularly memorable or inspiring for you? Uh, a couple. I really enjoyed talking to uh, Trevor Linden. Uh, Pat Quinn's another one. Um, Rick Hansen. Uh, those are real special individuals. And the other ones that make it extra special are the ones that are sincere. It doesn't matter whether they've got a big name, you know, like stars attached to their name or anything. It's just fun to to talk to people. But highlights, I don't know. I mean, you look back, Mario Andretti, Paul Tracy, local people in the, in the area, uh, you know, Greg Moore, uh, another one just to make some names. But it, it's just, it's interesting. But standing out, I don't know. There's so many of them, and it's really hard to pinpoint one or the other because everybody you talk to brings something different to the game and which makes it unique for us because as you know you can have a list of 10 questions to ask and the first question is your most important and if, if you follow your format and their answer to your first question is something that you didn't expect and you carry on interviews done they'll they'll never come back you'll never get another interview so it's important to do your homework but also listen to what they tell you because that can change in a heartbeat how has your experience as a sports broadcaster helped you connect with the local sports community and build relationships within the industry? Oh, huge, huge. It, it really has. I mean, of course, I don't I don't want to blow my own horn and all that, but I like to be out and, and I'm pretty open. I mean, somebody comes over and I mean, I'll go into a coffee shop and if somebody's behind me in line, I have no problem buying a cup of coffee for him. Absolutely not. I mean, it's just all about being part of the world. And I guess that's, the, you know, my the way my parents raised me. But But it's fun to do. And I can go in a coffee shop. And I will sit in a coffee shop like I am right now in a T-shirt and I will get people come over and they said, oh, you're having a bad day. You don't have a shirt and tie on because they know you. Right. But as far as opening doors, it's great. 
uh, the perception from the public. Public's really open. doesn't matter where I go. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's a UBC or West Vancouver or out to Langley or Chilliwack even. Somebody at one point in time will eventually come to get to know you. And, I mean, I've been involved in that a long time, even within the, uh, like, the officiating community. Uh, I got a note yesterday from one of the referees, and he said that, uh, you know, I just saw this from something, the clinic you did back, going back to 1988. So, so it's just sort of funny the way the world evolves, but I'm still having fun. I'm having an absolute blast. You've done many forms of broadcasting throughout your career. You've done uh, announcing such as play-by-play. You've been a sports reporter as well. And you also publish on websites now too. How has this multimedia approach enhanced your career in sports broadcasting? And how easy is it for you to adjust all the time? Oh, I'm going to publish on a website or I'm going to call a game. How easy is it to adjust around these? For me, it's difficult because I've I've got such a busy schedule as to what I'm going to do and when I'm going to do it. Uh, I will I will have all the best intentions to go and have coffee, and somebody will send me a story that's sort of time sensitive that it has to be up by tonight, and I'll have to phone the person I'm meeting and I'll say, okay, back back our meeting time up for fifteen or twenty minutes because I've got something else to do. So the social media has really changed not just what I do, but what all the sports industry has done, and it's just. The way the world's changed, whether we like it or not, it's not going back to yesteryear. Uh, it's fun to do. It's great to be a part of. And it, it's really taught me how to manage my business and my my time management more than anything else. Because I would do what I wanted to do. Well, now I have to, if I want to do something, I've got to make sure that I have two or three other things I have to put in the back burner. Otherwise, I'm going like, well, this is off the wall. It's not going to work. <laughs> That kind of leads into my next question. As you've seen the broadcasting industry evolve, how do you stay updated on the latest trends and technologies that impact your work as a broadcaster? Uh, fairly simple. I've got a lot of, as you know, outside contacts and being in touch with people means an awful lot. And if if you don't have your contacts and you don't do your homework, you won't get outside information from anybody. So I will get a lot of people send me information. They'll send me emails. They'll send me text messages. And they will tell me what's going on. It's not that I have to do it all myself. I get help from a lot of different people, which I really applaud because I couldn't do what I do without the people behind the scenes and help me out a whole pile. But it's important that, uh, you know, like I say, you just do your searching, do your homework. There's so much information on the on the Internet and on the web. But the other part with that is if you read something, Really do your homework and check that it's true because if you say something or if I publish something on the website that's not correct, then it comes back to reflect on me and it makes me look foolish and, you know, that's the last thing I want. So you have to do your homework. It's not just look and read it and post it up and promote it in TV. You have to really double check and know what you're doing. You've done so much great work for our industry throughout your career. So let's take a look at some of the awards and recognitions that you've gotten. Many many or all of those are all deserved, in my opinion. What does it mean to you to be recognized by your peers, associations, and communities for your contributions to amateur sports in the Lower Mainland? Uh, first off, I'm very humble. I, I didn't get into this at all to do get any type of recognition. I get into it to help promote amateur sports and just have a lot of fun. That's what I want to get into it for. Uh, I got, uh, and again, uh, even all the stuff I do with Eastlink TV and even go back with Delta TV, I do all this and, and people think I'm making a million dollars. I do all this as a volunteer. 
I don't get paid a penny. Periodically, I'll get maybe a $50 credit card or a gar gal gas card from Kevin at TV station or something like that to put gas in the car. But 50 bucks nowadays doesn't go too far. But I'll get something like that. But recognition, I mean, I got recognized. I got put into the uh, Delta Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, I got volunteer of the year by the uh, Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I got put into the uh, Vancouver Canadians Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, just recently, I was uh, recognized by the uh, uh, South Delta, the Rotary Club, for recognition for what I do. And for me, that, I mean, like I say, I, I didn't do any of this to put myself on a pedestal. I did it just to help the community and today's youth and help, I guess, society in general. Because I look at it from years back from when I grew up. Man, there was it was I really think in my own mind that it was a far better world today. I mean, you go in a shopping mall. I get frustrated if I go in a shopping mall and I see somebody coming out and they don't hold the door. I mean, I my mother always taught me somebody comes in behind you or they're going in at the same time as you hold the door open for them. It takes two seconds. Please and thank you. My mom always said were two words that go a long way. So I guess I get it from my parents, but but I just do it because I don't know. I enjoy it. Recognition, something I clearly did not and ever think I would get at all. I just I just figured I was doing it to, you know, have a good time and maybe kill a few hours in a day. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> As broadcasters, that's basically our goal. You know, we want to show the world what it, what sports are all about. And especially with what you were doing in amateur sports, it really, it really blows my mind how you set your entire career on amateur sports and wanting to promote amateur sports. For me, for example, I always I always use the saying coined by my coworker at Hockey Night in Canada, Randeep Janda. He has a saying called representation matters. And yep. with me, that's also one of the goals that I'm trying to strive for, to represent my community and represent people who look just like me, that we do have a place in this industry, you know. The Queen Elizabeth uh, Platinum Jubilee pin, it's quite a significant honor. Could you just share your thoughts and feelings about receiving that award? Well, I guess when uh, when Carla Quattro phoned me and uh, and told me that I was uh, you know I was supposed to come to to this big meeting last fall, and there was myself and a bunch of other volunteers that, that got this uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, volunteer platinum pin. I didn't expect it. I just thought I was going to cover it for the TV station. I did not know that I was going to be getting you know some type of recognition. Actually, until the day before, and then I, I phoned my sister in Chilliwack and said, "Do you want to come? We're going for tea and sort of tea and crumpets." And she said, "Yeah, sure." So she came in, and she was the same as me. She didn't know that I was getting this either, and I just figured I'd do interviews. But but for me, that that sort of uh, I guess you know puts the candle on the cake, so to speak, and and. and Again, uh, there was so many people that got recognition that, that day, uh, well-deserved, uh, that give up their time to their community. And it's not just my community. I mean, you mentioned Randeep. I mean, Randeep and the rest of the crew on uh, you know Punjabi TV, you guys do a hell of a job, and I applaud you. I mean, for me, I watch that, and I'm going, this is really good because it's nice to get the word out, you know, that not everybody speaks English. Not everybody looks the same. And we see all the unrest going on right now over in Israel and, and Ukraine. And, and man, oh man, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how I would even think if I had family over there. We got a young boy that plays hockey for the Delta, um, Delta Hockey, uh, De pardon me, the uh, Delta Ice Hawks. And his mother is a reporter in Ukraine. She's still over there covering the war. And he's over here and he's 17 years old. How do you even put up or think about that? But, you know, for us, for what we do, but the, the Jubilee pin for me, I guess if I was going to say there's one recognition more than another one, to get a pin like that from the government of Canada, that that was pretty cool. Really pretty cool. What are some people that 
you'd like to thank um, who helped you over the course of your broadcast career? First off, I guess I, I'd like to thank, like, I mean, Kevin Adlam, who is basically our main producer, and Kevin and me, we were, we're almost like, you know, brothers, albeit I'm 100 years older than him, but but Kevin does a marvelous job. If I need something, I just phone him, and we work really well together, but but there's so many different people. I mean, you know, I mean, you look at Carla Quattro, you look at Ravi Kalan, you, you look at uh, the Vancouver Giants organization, you look at, like, whether it's the BC Lions or the Vancouver Canucks, everybody involved help, has helped me out at one point in time. And and like Craig McEwen, uh, Bob Majanovich, uh, Matt Baker, and that's I know I'm going to be missing some names, but everybody in the higher up industry has really been so open and willing to help me out, which I, I, I really can't thank them enough. They've been really good. But, you know, I mean, if there's one or two, it's really tough to say. It's just a general public. I want, I would like to say, okay, thanks to the general public for allowing me into your world and allowing me into your circle, because without, if they didn't do that, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. And sometimes it's tough. You have to open the odd door, maybe push a little bit, as long as you don't push too much. If you're open and honest with them, people will be really receptive to what you do. And just, you know, if, if first thing I always ask anybody, if I do a question, a Q and A with a coach or a player or whoever it might be, I'll say, okay, we're looking at maybe a 15-minute Is there anything you want to avoid? And then they can tell me, and I'll say, okay, fine, because I don't want to back them in a corner and me ask them a question and them say, well, I can't answer that because everybody's going to want to know what are they hiding. So that's the first thing I'll ask them, and then if they tell me I can't talk about this, then I avoid that subject. But everybody's been so open and so helpful. I mean, I, I wouldn't do and I couldn't do what I do without everybody's strong support, like yours included. I mean, this is great. I mean, I, I appreciate this. And you guys do one, one awesome job on what you do. I, I really think it's great. No, we appreciate your kind words for Hockey Night in Canada's Punjabi edition. We're really excited to get underway, and we hope that you do watch this season as well. We always love our fans wherever they watch them, um, watch from, should I say. You guys do a great job. I enjoy watching it. And I always liked a little bit of the odd anecdote that periodically the different broadcasters will throw in to make it fun. Because, in, like I said today, in today's world, there's too much stress. And to add a little bit of fun and humor, it's important, which, which Punjabi TV do. You do a marvelous job. And I think it's great. Keep up the good work. And, and I also applaud, like all your big hosts like Randeep for starters, as well as everyone else to bring younger people into the fold like yourself to help out. Uh, you know, that's, that's what you need. And, and you've got to get a start and sooner or later, they're going to move on and do something else in the system. You have to take over. And for that, I, I hope they continue that way because that's a great mind focus. And, and I mean, it's a great community. I mean, I live in North Delta right across from the temple. And, and I mean, I bump into like, tons of people all the time and and we'll sit in coffee shop and talk and have coffee and about whatever we want to talk about and uh it's really great it's nice so again congratulations to everything you guys do and, and keep up the good work what advice do you have for aspiring sports broadcasters particularly those looking to pursue a career in play-by-play announcing and sports media production uh for play-by-play not everybody can do it uh it's not as easy as it sounds you pretty much have to have like a photogenic memory to understand what you do and the biggest thing that I can tell all of the, the broadcasters, the, the young individuals that are coming up, male or female, that want to get involved in the industry, a couple things. One is you have to do your homework. You really have to do your research because if you don't do your research, your broadcast, I don't care, hockey, baseball, basketball, it'll be terrible. And, and people will know that. You have to know what you're talking about. Secondly, for the young people that want to get involved, 
check your ego at the door. It's not about you. It's about what you do and how you promote it. The minute you go in and somebody comes up and says, oh, congratulations, I, I saw you do the game and you did a real good job. Don't say, yeah, I know. <laughs> say, yeah, I know. That tells them you've got an ego. Lose it, you'll be perfectly fine. And that's the only added, you know, only uh, in, information that, I'm, that I can pass on to the young people because they have to learn that. And I'd rather learn, have it learned from somebody old like me than somebody coming through the system and having a manager come up and say, well, you're fired because we don't like what you do and you did it wrong. I don't want that. I want the, I want the sports. I want the game to continue. And it's young people that are working the world down the road. So that's what we have to focus on. What are your future goals and aspirations in the field of broadcasting throughout the throughout the time that you have left in your career? Are there any up, upcoming projects or events that you're excited about? I guess that's a polite way of saying better in your lifetime. <laughs> no, no. No, you've still got no, a long time. Uh, I know what you meant. Uh, no, for me, uh, I'm still looking at, I'm still doing all the stuff. Uh, I'm looking at doing more live webcasting because I do live streaming. I mean, I did all the live streaming last summer for all the Delta lacrosse in, in Ladner. And that's fun. I enjoy doing that. I like to do more minor sports as far as webcasting. But sometimes people think, well, you know, we're not getting anything out of it. And they're looking with tunnel vision, which is sad. But, but for me, I just want to continue what I'm doing. Uh, be able to hopefully hopefully, and I say that really positive, hopefully make a change in the world as to what I do and the way people reflect at everybody and, and just, you know, quit fighting and arguing. We've got too much unrest in the world right now. We don't need, we don't need any arguments of fighting in the world of sport, heaven forbid, but, you know, just, just do what you want to do. And that, that's all my goal right now. I, I don't have any long-term goals. I have no aspirations of moving back to Toronto or Montreal or anywhere else. I, I'm contented. I'm in Delta. I like community community. And to me, that's what it's all about. Before we end here, yep. you you normally have a saying after every <laughs> broadcast that you do, if you don't play sport, at least be one. Could you just tell me about the meaning of, behind that and how that came together for you? I do. That That's a, it's sort of a funny story. But uh, years back, and I mean years back when I was a youngster growing up because my father was in the RCAF back in Trenton, Ontario, uh, I worked part-time on the weekend as a radio disc jockey on weekends at uh, one of the local radio stations of Belleville. And we had a sports director, uh, Jack Devine, and Jack Devine actually went on to be one of the presidents for Hockey Canada years and years back. Anyway, Jack did the sports show. And it's really funny because when he did the sports show, he always ended his sports broadcast. He'd say, thanks for listening in. I really appreciate it. He'd said, and, and his closing line would always be, if you don't play sport, at least be one. And I remembered that. And I said, you know, if I ever get involved in that industry, I'm going to use that. And I just stuck to it. And that's sort of my catchphrase that I go with at the end. And, and I can't take credit for it because it's all about uh, what Jack did. And I just thought it was just really a neat phrase to end your broadcast with. Because everybody's, some people say, well, thanks for watching. Bye-bye. Good night and all that. And I just think this is a different way to end it. That's, that's my line. And that's what I do. Everyone has their unique things that they pick up throughout their career. And yeah, I just heard it on the JPHL broadcast a couple of weeks ago. And I was really fascinated as to what was being said, because you say it in such a way that sometimes I can't even hear like the last part of it, you know, but it's really, <laughs> it's really cool to hear that you have your own saying. So question for you, have you got one that you're thinking of? Um, For me, I, you know, I, I started my own mini segments, like throughout the broadcast with the JPHL, I started something called Jags Hattrick Watch, where I'd, uh, you know, I'd reflect on the player that's on the verge of a hat trick. But whenever there's a wrist shot being scored, like a goal with a wrist shot, and it's a nice one, I like to call it a wicked wrist shot. That's uh, that's sort of my that's sort of my saying that I've developed at my two years with the junior prospects hockey league, the wicked wrist shot. But I'm still yet to find my 
pretty much my number one catchphrase, but I'm pretty sure as my career rolls on and uh, hopefully, God willing, I get bigger and better opportunities, I'll be able to discover that um, well, real catchphrase. I'll, I'll be honest, if you want to take over and use mine after I get out of this, uh, I'll let you use it for sure. And the other thing, you could always just say, hey, there's a WWS and people have no idea, but it's a good way to, to finish it because now they'd have to search and find out what you meant. yeah for sure steve i appreciate you so much for taking the time to join me today thank you so much uh anytime you know my number you got a hold of me and uh you and i'll connect back up the rig but uh, all the best again with uh, the tv broadcast and everything you guys do you you guys do a a great job and and i wish you nothing but success because it's so nice to you know be refreshed and i was saying the other day i said it's pretty wild i said john garrett retires uh from working with shorty and i said it's pretty bad he retires they gotta hire two people to take his job I said, that, I said, that's pretty funny. But anyway, you guys do a great job. Continued success. And uh, if you need anything, you know my number. Just you or any of the guys, reach out and get a hold of me, and I'll be more than free to talk to you or, you know, pass on any information you want. That's all we have for you today. Thanks for listening to The Heart Podcast. My name is Jagraj Lolly, and have a great day. Frequency.